Welcome to the Become Inspired podcast by Life on Time. Hello and welcome to the third edition of our Become Inspired Series 3 Life on Time podcast. Today we've got Jason Broderick on uh, from a school in Hong Kong. Uh, he is a well-being lead at his school and we're going to be talking to him about how he has coped and how his school has coped during the pandemic. So hello, Jason. Hey, uh, good evening. Good evening. Or good, good morning over there, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, it's just turned 12 o'clock, actually. So yeah, just, just about afternoon. So how's things over there with you? You know, things are moving forward out here. And, uh, you know, in regards to my own self, uh, day by day, and uh, doing, doing what I can to control my controllables. Uh, and Hong Kong... We've just recently had an opportunity to sign up for vaccines, so I see things are starting to move forward for the for the country itself as well. Good, good, good. So, could you just give our listeners just a bit of a, an overview of sort of where you are in the in the world, uh, uh, what school you're at, and sort of what your role is at that school? No problem. So, involved in an international school here in Hong Kong, but uh, we're in a, a, a very special area for those of you that have been to Hong Kong. We're on Lantau Island in a place called Discovery Bay. Very unique place. It was uh, originally set up as a resort. And uh, through time, uh, obviously, people have uh, moved into the area, and it's, uh, it's a wonderful community. And um, uh, my school is called Discovery Bay International School. It caters for children from the early years, Right through to year 13, uh, we do GCSE and A-levels up in our upper part of secondary, and we roughly have about 1,800 students. Uh, I believe we have over 70-odd nationalities. And, uh, wow. yeah, it's, a, a, it's, it's definitely a thriving area, uh, a melting pot of uh, cultures and, and uh, different perspectives. It's a great place to be, great place to be. And... Um, and where where so where are you from? Because you're not you're obviously not English. So you sound Australian. <laughs> pretty, right? pretty pretty close, mate. Pretty close. I'll, I'll just smile at the jive there. No, uh, <laughs> New Zealand, New Zealand. So uh, New Zealand, New Zealand. How can I get that wrong? I, I'm get that wrong? sure how you could, since we are we are world leaders and we are how to respond to these well I, I like a bit of need i like a bit of needle before we start that'd be quite yeah. yeah so um so how long have you been over in hong kong oh look i'm going into uh, my seventh year i came out here with my wife and uh, my son is here as well uh, and uh we came uh because we're heading uh, heading back up towards uh, the uk to live and uh, we've done a bit of a stopover so uh, here, here we are in, in Hong Kong and uh, definitely enjoying the, the uh, opportunities that are offered here and the lifestyle that we can live. So for those of you that are considering in the future, I would uh, highly recommend Asia as a place to live for a while. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm tempted, but I don't think now's the right time. Yeah, but... that, that, now could be a questionable time, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and I guess, what is your role out there? So what do you do at school? What sort yeah, of so, um, yeah, my title is uh, Head of Wellbeing. Um, but it's a varied role, and it's come from uh, you know, a number of things. Um, I'm, I was a classroom teacher for many years and uh, always had a passion towards relationships. And uh, I really developed that uh, over time. 
and just went to, I went into the field of counseling. So retrained as a counselor while I was working as a classroom teacher. And then further that, I became a psychologist. Um, and uh, I was ready to leave uh, the, the educational setting and I was going to head into more of a sport sports setting uh, around the sports psychology section but uh, a, a wonderful a wonderful head teacher offered me the opportunity uh, to to blend my knowledge of uh, you know mental health and wellness and uh, the, the background of being a, a classroom practitioner blending those together to create uh, a very unique approach as a school to well-being and positive education and wellness and, and mental health and correlating that with academic progress so that uh, we develop what we see as a holistic uh, holistic individual and offering them the skills that they will require in life. Uh, and I'm pretty sure all of us as adults can uh, resonate with this. Sometimes we come out of school with a very good understanding of the academics uh, uh, possibilities, but the life skills that we require that can have a huge effect on our personal and social development is something that maybe could have been offered as well. So, you know, we're, we're being one of these schools that are trying to plug that gap and offer something uh, that maybe many other schools might want to uh, be part of in the future and transfer this sort of uh, approach as well. I mean, yeah, that's fascinating. I think when we're speaking to other schools in the UK, um, you know, the, the, the role that you have, I think, um, is fairly rare. I think normally wellbeing is tied into uh, a, a full-time teaching role, potentially. Um, so, you know, it's, it's almost, there's no capacity to be able to do, obviously, what you're doing. So it'd be really interesting to hear, like, how, what strategies have you had time to sort of implement that maybe you look at? I mean, I think you maybe have a bit of an understanding about the UK yeah. teaching and how that all works. So what sort of changes have you made to the timetable, I guess, is probably the, the key thing in, um, in Hong Kong? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if we, we, so this role, I think if I give a little bit of background and, and we talk a little bit of uh, pre-COVID, right, because we'll, we'll get into like what, what COVID's brought about even more changes. So as I mentioned, we're, we're actually an English curriculum based and uh, so we run to the three terms as well, quite, quite similar. Our, um, I mentioned X amount of... Uh, different nationalities, but they all have that, a large percentage have that hope to head back to the UK and the university through there. Uh, so, you know, there is, that is just a large proportion, uh, percentage. I guess the yeah. when you're relating to like, what changes have we done? With regards to the timetable, so the school's broken up into three different phases, right? So secondary has really been the one that we've uh, been working on over the last couple of years, but the first two years we're really working primary and early years and it wasn't so much to do with the timetable it was to do first of all looking at like if we broke wellness into different pillars we're looking at positive education we're looking at behavior management and we're looking at like what you're traditionally calling in the uk psag right and then you have yeah. um, your provision with a specialist you know i.e counselor or uh, in our case you know um, we, we have a number of specialists in our school now too, but that wasn't the way it was three years ago. So it's been a planning process as part of like uh, the senior leadership being a huge part of it, but also to the community. The biggest change where it started with was coming down to developing a common language to how we approach this 
area that a lot of people, and I think, you know, this is opinion-based and very personal opinion. We throw around this word well-being too much now. And we, yeah. uh, you know, well, that's affecting the pers person's well-being. Um, yeah, I, I think that confuses our young people. You know, if, if a child is having a difficult time, whether it be within their own mind or socially in the playground, it's like something's wrong with their well-being. Well, no, actually, this could be affected to the, their access to the curriculum, like how they do, how they're uh, progressing in that, the way that they feel about themselves. Okay, well, it could be a, a friendship issue, or it could be something to do with uh, a, another completely. That's that's yeah. I mean, I don't know if I can cut in there, but that's just really interesting. Yeah, because I think well-being is a. It, every I think everybody's got to the in the habit of just putting it. If if somebody's not feeling great, yeah. it could be about absolutely anything. Mm -hmm. yeah. Their well-being, their well-being is not good, and it's almost like an easy way, a, a way of making uh, trivialising, trivialising, I guess, a little bit in the fact that it's just their well-being slightly down. Where actually it could be something quite specific. Yeah, I think it's multifaceted, John. You know this, uh, yeah. and this is where uh, this. Ability to understand, like what it is from a, a classroom practitioner's perspective, you know, and you know, I think my background really assisted in this because I, you know, I obviously chased the senior leadership sort of thing at one time too, so I sort of have their perspective, and I've been a father yeah. for a long time, um, so I have a parent's perspective too. I'm not saying my perspective is the only one, but it's given me a big overall picture, which makes our whole approach dynamic, uh, because. We've then gone from the language that we use as a school to the language that our teachers use within daily conversation and then develop that even further to like how do we look at the concept of wellness and provide that within the lessons of like uh, maths or in English or in science. So we then, wow. how do we evolve that into our curriculum? You know, so we're not just looking at the specific outcome of, uh, let's take English, right? You know, a traditional one would be, if I'm talking primary, I'm going to be very basic here, but we're doing this with secondary now as well. So it's transferable across all grades. So I'm doing an English lesson and it might be to do with that the child is being able to uh, punctuate their, um, their paragraphs or whatever, right? So... What am I providing within this particular um, lesson that's also going to be looking at their soft skills? Uh, so, you know, when we look at the soft skills, we're looking at such aspects of resilience. You know, how can, how can I make this so that I'm going to build it, uh, put in adversity, so this is going to build the resilience of the child? But, yeah, it's in an English lesson. And you can see, like, those of you that are practitioners listening to this, you can see how that can transfer straight away. So instead of looking at punctuating a paragraph, and I'm being very simple here, we look at yeah, resilience, yeah. right? Or, or, okay, I'm in a science lesson. How do I build in cooperation? You know, instead of like I'm looking, I, I might be in a, um, a chemistry class in A-level and I'm, the, uh, the objective is whatever it is, but like I've also got a wellness objective, which is I must have this as covering uh, cooperation as well so you can see how well i'm going to get kids coming together as a group so what's so what's your reaction being from you know the standard you know a teacher that goes in and they're you know they're expected to teach and they've been taught to teach in a certain way yeah, yeah, yeah. how have they how have they how have they taken this sort of you know new approach yeah, oh yeah well, you know it's very it really is very and i'm going to be very uh, very general, right? It, it really comes down a lot to where have they been trained as a teacher? Um, yeah. Because what has been the important, importance within that education institution 
and this is something we might get into later on in this podcast, but, you know, uh, a lot of UK-based teachers are purely taught on the structure of a lesson and meeting objectives and what that's going to look like when it's being assessed. Whereas I would be, you know, I'm being general, job, very general to your listeners too, right? Like, whereas there's, yeah. there's other training providers uh, that look at uh, the whole child before they even start thinking about how do we develop a lesson plan, right? So uh, and, and then you might get uh, these people that are doing PGCE, right, uh, doing three years looking at business management. They do one-year PGCE, which really their curriculum's only been about delivering lessons well, how do they learn about how do I um, assist with what we traditionally call the pastoral side? And it's not their fault. Yeah. It's not their fault at all. It's just that they haven't had the training. So I'll get a lot of people that will come in the beginning of their two-year contracts that, you know, oh, that they will understand what well-being is. But actually, how do I do this day-to-day in my classroom lesson? The percentages that are able to do that when they start with us are, are, are a few. And yeah, I can, I can imagine. I can imagine because it's just not it's just not the way it's been set up. And I'm, you know, it's amazing that you guys have managed to, you know, put that through into all, all the lessons. I mean, how's your how has that affected and the strategies? You know, looking to support kids when they've been remotely learning. Do you feel like what you've done over the last three years has helped them be resilient? Do you have you seen a positive effect? You know, I think because uh, I'm caught, I'm, you know, here's the problem, right, is that you get caught within your own sort of circle. So you, like, look at your school and you can always see areas that could be improved. But I've been fortunate enough over the last sort of two months to be talking with a lot of schools, and I don't want to compare, you know, schools as such. But, like, when I'm looking about, like, well, how, how are your kids responding? Uh, and, and it goes down to numbers. I, I believe the work that we've done over the last three to four years, especially in the early years of the primary sector, has definitely helped with those students that have received it for the last three to four years. So you got to remember, we're an international school, so we have quite a huge volume of students coming and going just because Hong Kong's transient, right? But, yeah. you know, like, we're big on our data. And if a child's been here for the last three to four years and they've been receiving this sort of approach that we sort of have, de- that we have developed, then generally speaking, um, they are, they are with, like all students, having difficulty with this online learning, et cetera. But they've got coping strategies. When I go to talk with them, they might, they might be uh, in some, uh, suffering from some form of distress, but when you ask them what they're doing about it, they will tell you. All right, and that's where that's where we are ahead of the game. That our students know what they can do, whereas students that have just come to our school, a lot of them look around with uh, this wonderment of what can I do? You know, they don't have these coping strategies to be able to assist their mental wellness. And whether that is something like reaching out to someone that is a specialist in the it's such a big stigma when it comes down to, you know, like I'm not doing well. Uh, a lot of kids don't want to reach out. A lot of staff don't. Yeah. So, what is, so when you're looking at your curriculum, so in, in the UK, mm. the, there's PSHE and they have a certain allotted time. So are you saying that all your well-being and everything is put through every single lesson? Or do you still have, is that encouraged? And then do you still have a set time per week where 
kids will talk about well-being and, you know, there'll be a PSHE type lesson. Yeah, so there's, a, you know, it's phase dependent, uh, but primary and, and early is, uh, you know, so primary uh, is key stage two. Uh, and, and right, so to year six, and the same in the UK, I know that some of the international lessons might, lessons might be different. But, uh, yeah, it's seen, you know, the way we do things now, that, that wellness and our approach to wellness uh, flows throughout all lessons okay however wow. there are specific areas such as uh relationships and sex education where there are there are certain things that, that are, i know they're statutory in the uk they're not in international school right? um but we cover them so we'll have specific lessons for those right uh we have yeah. we have we have a lot of and we'll get to it eventually but we have a lot of other uh processes that happen within the school that we are uh, gathering data about how our kids are doing and then we provide them with things that we call a deeper dive um, they happen in every year but in secondary we we actually have a, a curriculum which is very similar to PCCT in fact it's based on the three components of PCCT uh, you know uh, health and well-being you know this living in the world yeah, yeah. so we call it learning for life um, so we have a specific lesson for that uh, in the secondary uh, curriculum, but a lot of it's also uh, delivered through what we see as traditional form time. However, as I mentioned to you, well, we're now working on secondary, so the, the vision is uh, in the next two years that we would be removing the necessity for a learning for life lesson, because rewind back four years, early years and primary used to run learning for life lessons as well, which have developed to where they're at now. So that's, you know, this has been a, a number of years to get to this stage, but within two years' time, uh, Learning for Life lessons won't happen as such in secondary life. Because, because you will be so confident that they'll be delivered actually just in the normal standard lessons. Yeah. I, uh, you know, they'll wow. go through English, they'll go through humanities, they'll go through geography, you know, um, and then when it gets into a level time, obviously we'd be delivering that in, um, you know, like uh, like all, all schools sort of do through that sort of like um, approaching university life or life beyond, po you know, post-secondary life, you know. So it will be delivered in ways such as that. And these, these plans are currently being implemented through such like the director of studies and stuff. So it's, it's not just me. I just happen to have the title that uh, gets to sort of like oversee it all. But this is a team, right? Like, uh, this, this. Well, this I was going to say because this, this this must mean that your your uh, your staff have all been upskilled in the in the way that they teach. Um, yeah, I, to be able to say, you know, yeah, John, I wouldn't want to undermine their abilities that they walked into, but I definitely feel that a larger percentage of them, uh, you know, pre-COVID, John, I want to be really clear here because uh, just like every school, we've had real difficulty being able to continue with what we would see as traditional training on PD days and stuff but um, yeah like I, I'm pretty sure most staff would, would agree with me you know, that, that, that they have picked up uh, more than they have been able to came in with or we've strengthened what they already did know right uh, we have uh, we have other areas so all of the staff have given, are given the opportunity to become part of the active listening team now, the active listening team is, is pretty much creating a community within our school of uh, what we probably see as uh, first uh, 
first response counsellors. So they're not counsellors, but they're all trained in the ability to be able to do the questioning and the listening and the techniques and like that, which is going to give most of our students, and we don't only offer it to our students, we offer it to our parent community as well, um, the opportunity to have someone to listen to them and know how to, to follow up that process. Uh, but it also offers an opportunity for staff to talk to staff. You have to, so these are these are unique things that I know our schools do. And are you are you delivering that yourself? Yeah. So that comes back yeah. down to my my um, training as uh, as areas that I've mentioned. But um, you know, another thing that I do as well is that I'm an advisor and a consultant on a lot of other um, corporate companies, you know, outside of the public area. So you know, I'm, I'm quite confident along that area, and I think I mentioned that you know. I was chasing that senior leadership position. So those of you that are listening, you know, part of that is just being confident, speaking to groups of others. So it hasn't really been something that I've shied away from, John. Something that I've sort of like promoted. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's yeah. I mean, so so bringing it back to sort of the UK, our <laughs> main audience here. So so you're in a fairly position obviously you've got your that's your full-time role yeah if you could transfer some of the things because obviously you, you've made a real good impact at the school that you're at and it's going well if you look at if you took a school over here that had limited resource or limit more limited resource to maybe what you've got uh -huh. at your school is there anything that you can take from what you've done absolutely uh, you could maybe advise yeah. You know, as like a, maybe some simple tips. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that uh, there should be a member, of, a member of the senior leadership team that should definitely get uh, trained within the field of coaching. Because within the field of coaching, you learn all the soft skills that are required to be like what we have call an accidental counsellor. And that person should have as one of their responsibilities that they train every single staff member how to actively listen and actively and be able to ask the right questions. And then bring in like a, and it's still this is that's no cost, right? That's that's no no cost at all. But you're training it. So sorry, just to just to just to just to recap. So you just so what you just said was to to train to have somebody in the SLT team yeah. train as a as a coach, train as a coach. and then for yeah. them uh, for them to train everybody else, yeah. and for them to develop those skills. That would be something that I would make sure I'd have someone in my SLT that is a specialist within this area. Because this area is not going to go away, and in fact, it's only going to be because of COVID. I think we're going to we are we are going to see, and I specifically will target it into uh, early years to, to to primary years. We're going to see a, um, a a massive need for social and emotional support when it comes down to the basics of being able to. Be able to play in the playground appropriately, follow instructions again. You know, I think though uh, it, so it's nobody's fault, but our children are going to suffer from not having the opportunity to be uh, socialized as regularly as they used to. I think we we don't understand the importance of the playground and the classroom environment to assist us in our uh, development of social skills, uh, and whether that just be through uh, watching, right, and observing. Uh, so many things that our kids are not getting the opportunity to do, which is not their fault and it's no parent's fault. It's no one's fault, right? right. But we have to be ready to respond to this. And I, and I think that is the big thing because uh, I'm starting to see now things that I haven't seen before over the last four or five years in this room. 
yeah so so you go so yeah so so you're you're seeing and you're predicting that covid is going to have some sort of longer term it's going to be a bit, I, I i completely agree i think it's going to be a longer it's going to be a fairly long tail unfortunately of emotional uh stress once we do start seeing sort of recovery and vaccines still working i still think there's going to be a fair chunk of anxiety and emotional stress so yeah the, the thought of training the thought that a teacher and slts are expected to run a school without yeah. the type of coaching that you've had i think it almost begs belief now thinking about it that why they they aren't almost automatically given that and i'm sure there are lots of schools out there and lots of head teachers and slt that have these type of skill sets um but i guess there's a lot that aren't so that's a that's really interesting and i don't think every school needs a counselor you know and that's an opinion that's a that's a personal opinion not a professional you know i think what schools need are people within their teams that are um, publicly uh, known to, the, to their community, whether it's been kids, that these people are trained in the basics, right? Just knowing there's someone there, and then those people are supported, you know, they, they, and that we do our best to remove the stigma of uh, reaching up and asking for support. But do even more, right? Put in programs that are in the classroom that talk about the importance of talking. <laughs> and how does talk look like and why do we need to do it and then offer opportunities within the lesson to just talk you know i think uh, i think we grossly underestimate the power of talk it's another thing i'm going to go on a tangent here john but like you know i think the, the, the more i the more i do this the more i work with adults the more i work with students it is it is the simplest of things that actually have the most effect you know, if somebody told me when I was 18, you know what, when you are, when you are suffering from what other, some people are describing as anxiety, uh, or stop, just stop and breathe, I would have looked at the person and said, what are you on about, right? But actually, learning how to breathe and breathe properly is one of the most effective things that we can do. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the simplest thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, for a but because but because it's simple, because it's simple, people don't think it it'll work. Exactly. I think that's part of the problem. People think they they get something you know super duper that's gonna you know a new program that's gonna change it. You know, it's not that. It, is it? It's it's actually the simple. We're thing. on the same page there, John. It's hundred percent. You know, I, yeah. I think it, that's our approach. Is once again, you know. But could you imagine? So, I mean, it's, it's almost suggesting at a senior leadership team meeting to start a session with a five-minute mindfulness exercise. Yeah. But could, I, don't, I don't know whether that's something that anybody would even look at you know, or yeah, even entertain. Because you get people looking at you think, thinking you're bananas, aren't they? They're going to look at you. Mate, you know, because, like, <laughs> hey, you know, even when I was doing my training, I was not the biggest fan of mindfulness. But it was everywhere, so I had to try it. You know what? Two years later, been a practical uh, practitioner. It's nothing changed my mind more, uh, changed my life more dramatically. Right? But it's that constant practice. So yeah, when I walk into a class of like 17, 18 year olds, and uh, before we're allowed to start, we do ten minutes worth of breathing, um, guided meditation. Now we're nearly a year and a half into it, and uh, and if I miss it, they're like, why aren't we doing our guided practice, right? We gotta get, we gotta yeah. put our kids into this habit. Well, it, it's habit, it's habit. Yeah, yeah. It, it, <laughs> yeah, of course, they're all going to raise their eyebrows. Yeah. That's why adults, when you walk into a room of adults and you say, let's do some mindfulness, if it's a room of 100, two or three will be like, yeah, absolutely, because they practice it. You know, like another 10 or 20 will be like, uh, yeah, let's give it a go. But the majority will be like frowning. Well, why am I wasting my time with this? 
You know, because it's too simple. You know, it's just like, why don't we all go for a jog for 25 minutes a day? How much would that do to our mental health? It's crazy what that would do to us. Why don't all of us just eat the right amount that we need to eat? No more, no less. Because it's just too easy, right? Like, But all these have an effect on mental wellness, have an effect on the way that we approach life. You know, so, um, you know, when we look at strategies uh, that we're talking about in our school, one thing that I didn't mention is, um, you know, and, and it might come across as righteous. All right, so, you know, one of the things that I should have mentioned before that we're doing uh, as a school and I don't want to come off that, you know, our approach is the only approach. Well, I run uh, parenting workshops, you know, and uh, when I first started this off three years ago, you know, I was like, I'm a parent, but that doesn't mean that my parenting is the right way. But I'll tell you what, the numbers in this group, and we went from like 20 at the first session to like the common workshop now is over at 150 to 180 parents that attend each workshop, right? Wow. Um, and that's during the school day, mate. That's that's how much the need is. Uh, there, there was a we were going to start running it in the evenings, but COVID struck. Um, and we we run it in a way we being myself, but like you know, obviously I thought from a school approach. You know, we're just looking at the language that we use in school and the strategies that we use in school, and allowing the community to know what we do and how they could apply it in the home. And, you know, that makes sense. It really does now three years later that actually most of us go into parenting uh, without really a little to to none at all uh, with parent training. You know, a lot of us parent based around the parenting we received or the mindset that I will not parent at all like the way I was parenting. I'm going to be better, right, whatever the situation is. But that doesn't mean that it's right or wrong, but is it best for their child, right? So, so, how, so, so just, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm really intrigued because I think what you guys are doing is almost, for us, for me, it just sounds fairly groundbreaking because I think parents are the key, the key link to this and getting parents involved. In, and in our programme, one of our things on our roadmap is we're looking at the kids, we're looking at the teachers, but we want to help parents, but I don't know, you know, how do you help parents and how do you get them engaged with it? So how did you, how did you get them engaged at the beginning and how did you create that time? I mean, again, are you delivering that personally? Yeah, I'm delivering that personally. And that's just where that is. You know what I mean? You know what I've learned? Like, like, you want something to happen, you've got to do it yourself. Right? And if it goes well, <laughs> if it goes well, people will join. <laughs> if it doesn't go well, people will say, oh, I'm just so. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's the mindset that I'm creating in my kids that go to my school. I will try regardless, right? And I might yeah. fail. I fail as part of what I do. Like, that, that'll relate to me. You know, like uh, adversity. Adversity and building resilience. But anyway, come back to the question how do we do it? Treat it carefully at the beginning, right? Because parenting and you, I'm looking at 70 odd cultures in my school, right? Here's this Kiwi boy that's lived in the UK, thrown around the rugby ball wherever he went, and now all of a sudden he is in this international school. Um, but I came from it from this perspective. And any school practitioners that are thinking about doing it, you come from it from a place of like, hey, this is what we've tried. And this is what I know that can be done. You know, but you have to come back down to who are your parents, what are your values, right? And, you know, we've developed a, a six-workshop sort of a program uh, that I've 
happy to talk with any school about. Um, in fact, it's probably when I go back to the UK, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, one of the things that I'll do, but, you know, it's, it's you mentioned that, you know, uh, it's one of those fundamental parts of the, the, the machine. Yeah. You know, to, to, and it is. In fact, it's, uh, it's it's the most important. You know, there's there's expressions such as the apple didn't fall too far from the tree. They're, they're, those sorts <laughs> of things are there for a reason, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, it's sometimes hard, right, to be a parent and realize, hey, you know what, I haven't done as good a job as, as I could have, but I've only been in that way because I knew no better. Because you know, when you've had a kid, it has for for for, for some of us had to take a journey, but for most of us, right? It was, uh, it was a process. And, yes. uh, you got so to- what, so, yeah, so how did you, so I'm just trying to think of like how you would implement that into a school. So do you do remote sort of hour sessions and everybody jumps on a Zoom call and then you're just talking about sort of good strategies and stuff? How do you yeah. do it? Yeah, like, um, you know, I, I guess you know, currently in, in COVID, right, yeah, we are doing it online. People jump in, jump off. Guys um, are more based around like, you know what we're doing right now is like what should you what could you be doing at home more than the parenting sessions but they, we used to run like uh you know the beginning of the academic year this is workshop one workshop two will be here three four five six you join on you come in right you have to be part of the whole process um and then i rerun it again the following year but we haven't been able to do that this year so to speak we still all face to face because this year i'm really focusing on like hey um this what could be happening at home and these are the things you could do, right? Um, and from a parenting perspective, right? Like, obviously, you're at home with your kids. Most of you have been at one of your workplace. What is the language that you're using around them? You know, obviously, you're probably a, a certain self when you're at your workplace, but now your kids are watching you. Are you aware of that? You know, <laughs> um, we've got some big flyers in our community, right? That they, they, uh, manage up to 1,500 people. You can imagine some of the language and the <laughs> processes coming out of daddy's office or mummy's office. Yeah. yeah for the kids to be hearing when I'm like, I had a funny story of a colleague that wasn't so funny if you really think about it. But, uh, you know, she was trying to get the, uh, she was talking to one of her kids on, uh, online and uh, dad, dad, it was dad in this case, uh, in the background, split of the law. But the Zoom call was on and uh, 20 odd different kids were listening in. Right? So, uh, how are we capable of that? No one told us about that in future training. Um, <laughs> I mean, whose fault is that? No one's. But, like, uh, you know, obviously, we don't understand what was happening with, with the parents in that case either, right? But no no one knew all this was coming. But how are we dealing with it? And so, you know, I'm running a course tomorrow for uh, my early year parents uh, coming along and uh, half an hour just sitting there talking about one of the issues. Okay, here's some strategies from the issues that you've sent into me. You take from it what you want. Who wants to stick around and ask some questions? And they will. And I think if you're going to do this in your store, you don't need experts because you've got you've got parents in your stuff. You just need some people that are willing to just uh, not sit in front of the screen and tell people how it should be done, how it could be done, and why this could be a good strategy for you. And I think with that, like I've had a lot of a lot of people come to me open up and be very sincere and it's developed the relationship of the school too so yeah yeah i think i think it's really interesting and i think we would like to continue our relationship with you jason because i think you can bring quite a lot to to us uh as a business and hopefully you know uh, 
looking to maybe support schools through that approach because I think parenting um, is definitely or helping parents uh, and I think it's kind of being a common theme isn't it running between uh, the school and the parents and I think if you're getting those if you're getting that together then that's obviously going to help the overall well-being of the child so um, okay. yeah I mean, moving on, um, it's been very insightful so far. What, um, so, I mean, it sounds like you've got a plan already in place, but have you got, since the pandemic, you know, I guess, what are the kids doing at the moment? Are they all back in school? What's the strategies moving forward? Yeah, so Hong Kong at the moment, is, uh, you know, it looks like before the pandemic year, we, we could be, I, I, I think I'm... Sorry, so again, because it's got quite that clear. Did you say you're... I'm yeah, so that. back here, yeah, I'll start again for you, John. Um, yeah, back here in Hong Kong, it uh, looks like as we, we're moving towards the end of this academic year, it's a possibility we could be back in school full-time. We're oh, cool. currently back in school uh, for 50% of the day, uh, face-to-face. And with that comes a whole lot of processes, as you'd expect. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're preparing for um, full contact uh, and uh, that, yeah, we've got a large number of processes uh, being implemented. So, in each year group, we're going to start implementing in what we call like wellness group sessions. So, we're going to provide the opportunity for every year group one day of the week that uh, they have teachers through the data. We use a lot of um, supportive data, like uh, what a lot of people would probably just call wellness surveys. So, they're sent out to the kids weekly. Um, and then we also use uh, an, a, an external assessment that uh, gets fed through us here. But anyway, that, that data is used to feed forward to support assumptions. We also use uh, another assessment piece called CASM. Anyway, what we're doing from that is identifying students that will probably be in, in, um, in, in a uh, low mood and having uh, areas of distress, they will be able to access this wellness group with other of their peers, where they'll be with myself or with one of the trained counsellors at school. You know, those groups are going to be fluid. Some a kid might have attend that group three weeks in a row, four or five. That's probably what we'd see. You're breaking up a bit again. As adults, it's traditional group counselling. Um, but it's not. It's a wellness session, and uh, it's it's not counselling. So, you know, we're going to be uh, we're going to be implementing that in as soon as our kids return. Uh, we do run something similar online, uh, but it's a uh, it's different uh, approach. But also, too, we're going to be holding a lot more uh, workshop um, opportunities for our parents. And then, of course, you know, the the amount of information that we've got going out specifically to our parents that is really related to our, our community. Uh, that's in the that's in the immediate term, right? Uh, we have some long term plans as we move forward, and, and uh, you know, we, we I talked about the language of a school. Uh, we're moving that into uh, all areas of how our school talks. We're creating what we call a character and culture profile. So we're completely changing our approach to behaviour management because that's another huge area of wellness for us. Um, you know, we're sort of going to remove what you'd see as like traditional sanctions. Well, secondary schools, etc., use detention, whereas that's pretty much going to be our last um, resort. Uh, and, wow. Yeah, going into uh, you know this 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 will come under my role again. I think uh, you know I think this is one of the keys, right? You get key staff members. You've got to have key staff members that are confident. 
Sounds like you're going to be head teacher soon at this rate. Oh, John, you know what? Uh, <laughs> it was once upon a time a dream for that. And no, no offense to head teacher, but you know, like I love being hands on, right? You know, I think that I will have, will have, will have a podcast another time and talk about my head in those types of roles. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, but it's been a great experience for where I am now too, John. Um, we've got some great plans for the school. You know what, they're coming back to what it is before. Some of them will come to fruition, John. Some of them won't. But uh, you know what, I think uh, it's going to give everyone that's involved in it a great experience. You know, here's the thing with an international school. I've uh, had colleagues that have moved on, and when they move on, they're like, Jace, how do you set that up? You know, how do you set that up? And they've gone on to good positions by taking uh, some really good strategies that we're doing at our school. You know, so we've got uh, colleagues all around the world that are implementing some of the stuff that uh, didn't begin at DBIS, but they definitely got their platform to jump from. Yeah, I mean, just going just going back to what you just said. So when you just the sort of the starting back strategy and the code that so you're using well-being surveys to sort of assess mm-hmm. where kids yeah. are at. Yeah, you've got to have them, John. And then you're and then you're going to have workshops workshop sessions with them and with the children, not necessarily counselling sessions. Yeah, yeah. And then the final thing is that with sort of continuing the parent theme of yeah. offering more help and information. Yeah. That sounds really good. I mean, I'm just thinking, I'm just trying to recap because it's quite detailed and just want to just give our listeners sort of a, an overview because it just sounds like a really structured way of doing it. Yeah, um, it's got to be. To sort of mon- monitoring with a bit of data um, as well, which I think is really, really important. Well, data is good for who those people that you just mentioned, right, John? The head teachers. <laughs> they love the data. They love data. Um, and in all fairness, though, data doesn't form, but it's only just part of it, right? It's just part of the bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really insightful. Um, let's just finish up on you, really, I guess. So it sounds like you've got a lot going. It sounds like you're fully engaged and engrossed in school mm-hmm. and, in, you know, you have a mission yourself to improve. I know so well-being is a huge – well-being and wellness yeah. of, of your children. Um, that That's all – I mean, how do you – do that i mean is that are you literally full-time just with the parents working with working to coach the teachers working to sort of help the, the children individually as well are you sort of just covering are you just covering that as that's your full-time role i know i have timetable lessons as well john um so i've also got uh classroom lessons to take but obviously I'm, you know i'm on a, I'm on a part timetable to allow me to uh, have access to, uh, oh, wow. But that's that's a key. I mean, any any people that are looking at implementing the school, you know, like from my experience, this is the key. Uh, if you want to make real change, you really still need to be in the classroom because you need to see what's happening, and also to your staff for that. Okay. Your staff are honest with you, right? Like I don't have I, I have a leadership position within the school, but I'm not a senior leadership member. Um, nor would I want to be one. That's quite strange for a lot of people to hear um, because I think it also removes a lot of the raw honesty that comes from staff among staff. Uh, yeah, I can imagine you get a better insight because of yeah, that from staff. Absolutely. And uh, my current head, he'd tell you exactly the same. Right? Um, yeah, you've got to remove the ego, mate. Like, here's, that's the thing, right? Like, it's, 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 you know, you talk about my personal growth. Well, you know, I've mentioned it a few times chat there was once upon a time that i didn't want to be a teacher but once i got the opportunity to do it i was like oh, man. um <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I mean, how have you, how have you, how have you coped? I mean, talking, you know, taking your own medicine, mm-hmm. I guess. How have you coped with, with obviously you've probably had more pressure because yeah, there's more pressure on well on the well-being and wellness of your yeah. kids. So how have you coped with, with it all, and also doing it all remotely? And you know, we're all human, aren't we? So how have you coped? You know what, John? I was part of the five a.m. club before Robin Sharma even thought of putting it into a book. I don't know if you've heard of that, right? but uh, you know, I wake at I wake at four thirty every morning. Uh, without a doubt, Monday to uh, Monday to Sunday, back into it on Monday again, right? Like so, four thirty a.m. every morning I'm up. And, uh, wow. I begin with I begin with uh, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, right. Like uh, I begin with a twenty minute jog and uh, then twenty minutes of stretching and then twenty minutes of um, focusing on uh, my day ahead. And that's my that's my approach to mindfulness, right? Uh, my, uh, proactive mindfulness. Uh, I don't know if there's such a thing, but that's my approach. And other days, I'll do something a little bit different, uh, depending on you know where I'm at. And, and that. What's your, what time do you go to bed? If you wake up at four thirty, what time do you go to bed? You know bed? what? I'm, I'm generally trying to I'm trying to put my head down about nine thirty during the during the school. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, so pretty early in the, in the weekends. Um, might start a little bit later, but you know, my pillars are huge for me. And my pillars, when I talk about my pillars, one of them you just mentioned sleep. Right, I try to get decent amount of sleep. Um, diet, diet's huge during this COVID period. It's been, uh, if not at the top of the pillars, right? Just making sure that I'm eating well, not eating too much, right? Um, and then the, the third one uh, is, uh, is my exercise, right? So if I have my exercise well, my sleep well, and my nutrition well, and I'll say this to any of your listeners, you know, if they get that uh, nailed. That works for them, right? Because we're all different, but it's got to work for you. If you get that nailed, 80% to 85% of your time in life is going to be balanced. Um, you know, if there, are, if there are moments in your life that are unbalanced and you're suffering from some form of simple stress, anxiety, depression, uh, or distress in, in, in all areas, look at one of those pillars. And I'll guarantee you that uh, the majority of us the majority of us, one of those pillars will be out. You just work on it. What I mean by being out, I mean like, well, I haven't slept well for the last four days, right? I'll try to get better sleep. Why am I sleeping well? Well, I haven't done any exercise because I've got too much energy. Well, ex- you see what I mean? You can see where I'm going with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I go through uh, I go through phases where I don't sleep well, and it tends to be because my diet's not being yeah. Well, I've not exercised. Yeah. So if I'm eating well and I'm exercising, then I'll sleep better. And then, but it's it's an up and down slope, isn't it? And nobody's. No, and I guess, I guess you're exactly the same. You know, you have blips, yeah. don't you? And I, I think and it um, comes back. So I think right? that's, that's what good. we were talking about twenty minutes ago. When I talk about it, right? It's too simple to do just every day. You're telling me, you know, right? Yeah, and and you know what? If you can once 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 every now and then a week, just stop and listen to yourself breathing. Right? You're like, what are you on about, Chase? Yeah, I was like, I'm not going to help, man. <laughs> you know, I was like, I would have said the same thing to before I did all this, John. You know, it's, uh, you know, yeah. but habit, habit, great habit. That's, 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 that is a uh, super bit of advice for our listeners uh, at the end of the podcast. So, yeah, well done. Thank you for that. Appreciate your advice. Uh, I'm going to note some of those tips down in our in the blog uh, that will associate. Uh, this with this podcast because I think it was really insightful. Jason uh, sounds like a, a real professional in what he's doing. Um, by the sounds of it, his score right behind him, which I think is one of the other challenges. And USLT have obviously right behind you. So 
fair play to you. And yeah, uh, hopefully that can help some of our listeners. So thank you and I uh, hope you have a yeah, good night. Thanks, thanks a lot for time. Good to chat with everybody and I uh, hope everybody is well. Bye for now. Cheers, Jason. Yeah. Bye. If you are looking to improve well-being and personal development at your school, then trial our UHQ platform for free. It's built with teachers and schools in mind. It can help improve student and teacher well-being and personal development. It can measure impact. It can manage new and existing PSHE resources. It offers 24-7 remote learning. It has access to innovative well-being teaching resources created by health professionals and it allows you to monitor the mood of your teachers and students with our mood indicator tool and surveys. For more information, visit www.lifeontime.co.uk. You have been listening to the Become Inspired podcast by Life on Time. For more information, please visit our website lifeontime.co.uk